0: I'm so glad to be here today. I'm so glad that we have a local church that we can come to. You know. Um I have to I have to apologize I keep uh, forgetting to tell anybody doing the announcements that we no longer are using white cards <laughs> we have a wonderful kiosk over there that Michael and um, his team have been working to set up and if you have faith fix questions you can actually write those right on that iPad out there right there's links to to all that stuff places for your information we've got we've got technology <laughs> and so I encourage you check out the kiosk we've got some um, books and other materials we'll be selling, and there's more on the way. And again, that's for community outreach. Any profits that come in from that bookstore go to community outreach. So we're excited about that. And you say, well, what kind of community outreach? Well, we've got to seek the Lord about what that looks like. Amen? Well, are you excited for church today? I'll tell you, I've been um, stirring, you know, I get to talk to my husband quite a bit, and it's really a different um, kind of life, because he's six hours away, like, different from us, and so it's very strange when it's his early in the morning, it's my middle of the night. It's a good thing I'm usually up then, (laughs) because I'm talking to him before he starts his day, and it's like, you know, after my first nap. (laughs) Anybody else been there? (laughs) And uh, so we've been talking, but it is a different... A different place to live. You know, it's different. We we really take for granted sometimes what we have here. We really do. You know, we have churches available to us that will preach the word led by the Holy Spirit. Churches that know about the Holy Spirit. Churches that know that the Bible actually has power to change lives. and, And you're not seeing that where they're at. You're not seeing that, and uh, it's really it's really an interesting thing. We really take it for granted, and I'm going to encourage you today that maybe we should stop <laughs> taking these things for granted. And my husband next week, he's going to be doing something special. Not next week, the week he gets back. he's. We're going to be having um, kind of two parts to the service. So the second part of service, we're going to take like a 20-minute sandwich break. He said he wants sandwiches, so... <laughs> We'll have to get on the sandwich committee, and he said he said, we'll have the service, we'll have a sandwich, then we'll come back and I'll tell him about this mission, and we'll talk and we'll share some details. So if you can stay for that, that will be, you know, what is that? July second, July second, I believe. So uh, we're excited for that. He is in Sweden. He's made it safely there. Um, Norway really spoke to his heart. There's a lot, a lot um, that he learned there, and um, they're in Sweden and they're learning a lot there as well. And then they'll be in Finland, and then we'll get to meet up in Spain. And I'm going to try to put the link to those services that for the church in Spain onto our Facebook page so you can tune in. There will be, will be English. We'll be speaking in English with a translation to Spanish, so uh, we're excited for what the Lord is doing. Amen? Amen. And that's all very fitting to the message today, and it is the Great Commission, Winning the Lost. And I also have written down what is all of this all about. (laughs) It's the Great Commission, Winning the Lost. We're going to turn to Matthew 28. You know, one of the biggest questions that people ask is, like, how do I reach these people? How do I reach the people at my job? How do I, no one wants to hear me talk about Jesus. Nobody nobody wants to come to church. I invite them. They don't want to come. How do I reach people? And uh, we're going to talk about that today, but it may go in a different direction than you expect, but we're going to follow God. Amen? Amen? All right. So Matthew 28 and verse 16, we're going to begin there. God wants to get some things over to us today. Amen? It's Matthew 28:16. And a little heading of this set of scripture, you know, I love when the translators put that in. I I like it. (laughs) I'm a teacher. I like that stuff. But it's the Great Commission. So that's where the title of this comes from. It says, but the 11 disciples proceeded to Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had designated. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some were doubtful that happens a lot right anybody come to church and you're doubtful of what god's really going to do is he really going to come through for me is he really is he really doing anything is this about anything what's this all about amen we we do and some of the some of followers of jesus will actually doubt him <laughs> you've been there i've been there i've been there this week are you kidding me when they saw him they worshiped him but some were doubtful and Jesus came up and spoke to them saying all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth go therefore and make disciples of all the nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I commanded you and lo I am with you always even to the end of the age praise the Lord That word disciple, people are texting me. They don't realize I'm in church. (laughs) Should be here with me. (laughs) Disciple is to follow his precepts and instructions. To make a disciple is to teach or to instruct. And, you know, I can relate to this because I have been a school teacher for many moons now. And uh, one thing that I've noticed in the last couple of years, and if you work in a school, you probably understand this too, or maybe you're part of a school, you might get this too, that disciples can't be disciples if they don't want to learn. (laughs) You can't be a disciple if you're choosing to resist the instruction given to you. And over the pandemic, one thing that was like a really... um, a negative effect of everything that happened was that students, disciples, have kind of uh, forgotten how to be disciples. They've kind of forgotten how to be the student. You know, they, they got used to not having to really answer to anybody or you know, everything was easy. It was like, we can't, we can't punish these kids for having to stay home, so they've got to just pass them through, pass them through, because, you know, and, and I don't know the right answer to that. But one thing I noticed is that they've kind of forgotten how to be disciples. And if we're not careful, we can forget how to be a student of Jesus. We can figure things out on our own for so long that we forget that we need help. We forget that we don't know everything yet. We forget that there's still things that we've got to get, you know, learning. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) We gotta get over to us. A disciple needs to have a teacher, and a disciple needs to have a place to learn, but a disciple has to want to learn, amen? And so if you're here today, Jesus wants you to be his disciple. He wants you to be his student. He paid the price so you could be. He paid the price so you could get all the things he wanted to get over to you, but it's up to you. You know, we read that, you'll know the truth, but how will you know the truth? If you continue with him. And same with that, if you wanna be his disciple, You have to be willing to learn. Praise the Lord. All right, we're going to turn to Romans 10, verse 14. Romans 10, 14. I love the word of God. Do you love the word of God? Do you want to learn from him? Because if not, you could go out there and enjoy that sunny day. You could just go right now. Because if you're not interested in him, then you're not going to get anything here. You have to be hungry. You've got to be stirring yourself up. And I know that the attack comes against us. It all, all of us deal with that bombardment in our mind. But when you come to church, your heart should be, I want what God has for me. I need to learn something. All that bombardment of the head, you know, all that junk that we deal with out there, we got to get over it. And the way to do it is to come to him and say, I want to be your student. Teach me. How do I suffer through this life and crucify my life daily like you did? How do I do that and still stay standing? We've got to learn from Jesus. All right, Romans ten fourteen it says, How will they call on him in whom they have not believed? How will they believe in him whom, whom they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? And verse 15, How will they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news of good things. In order to make disciples, we've got to be preachers and send preachers. Now, I am not talking about the five-fold ministry offices. Yes, the Bible talks about pastors and teachers, evangelists, prophets, apostles. The Bible does talk about that, and that's what I'm operating in today. I'm a teacher. I'm a pastor, a co-pastor of this church with my husband. Primarily, the gifting in my life is that I'm a teacher and, uh, but but I'm presenting the gospel to you, but guess what, not everybody gets a title, not everybody gets a pulpit, and we have to stop with this garbage. I'm telling you, I've had it up to here, and I know that's not very tall, but I've had it up to here, with people thinking that only the pastors, only the ministers, they're the only ones equipped to reach the lost. That is bull, baloney, baloney. <laughs> we have to be the ones who are out there doing the preaching. We've got to be the ones out there winning the lost. It can't be some prescribed, you know, planned out, let me give you this bundle of what you're going to take to the lost. No, you've got to seek the Lord for yourself. You've got to let him lead you in who to talk to, what to say. Don't get all goofy on people. Be real with people. But he wants you to be the preacher. How will they know unless somebody preaches to them? How will they know? They won't. Oh, I get tired up with the positions and the titles. And yes, I know, it's right and good that you honor the office. I understand that. But everybody's seeking some sort of position. It's garbage. We've got to stop with that, because while we're busy seeking positions, there's a whole lot of people busy going to hell. And I'm tired of it, and it breaks my heart. And so, if you've gotten caught up in that, how can I be somebody stop it. Be who he wants you to be. Reach people where you're at. Amen? I don't know where that came from. I just get fired up because I want to see the lost one. I want to see the lost saved. And it's not going to happen if everybody's waiting for their position. You're in a position. Why don't we take advantage of the place we're at? Amen? All right. Matthew 4, verse 12. Praise the Lord. The heading of this part of my uh, Bible is called Jesus Begins His Ministry. Now, that's pretty precious, isn't it? So we're going to look today, we're going to look at Jesus beginning his ministry and kind of his, like, passing of the torch. We're going to kind of tie that together today. Now, when Jesus heard, this is verse 12, when Jesus heard that John had been taken into custody, that's John the Baptist, he withdrew into Galilee and leaving Nazareth, He came and settled in Capernaum, which is by the sea, in the region of Sebulun and Naphtali. (laughs) I did pretty good with those. (laughs) This was to fulfill what was spoken through Isaiah the prophet. Listen to this. The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who were sitting in darkness saw a great light. And those who were sitting in the land and shadow of death, upon them a light dawned that is what we're looking for the light to dawn for the people in darkness you know when my husband was um, when he first when the lord first dealt with his heart that he was called to pastor and he was called to mayville this is the scripture that the lord spoke to his heart the people that were in darkness have seen a great light light is dawning he the lord showed him that we were to come here to bring the light of the gospel that this was the reason that we would come now have we brought the light of the gospel yes we're doing that look around there's people here but when we first started we had a handful of people our family basically in the hotel over there at the chautauqua suites and we didn't know what we were doing and we left there crying and thought we are not gonna make it <laughs> as pastors we are not equipped to do this we are not good enough for this that's what we left there we left there crying I'm not even kidding we left there going we cannot do this We do not have the equipment. God, you picked the wrong people, what are you doing? We can't even articulate a message. My husband had like a 20-minute sermon, I think, and it was just like horrific. I mean, let's be real, it was like stumbling and stuttering and the iPad kept switching directions because he talked so much with his hands. Now we got one of these nifty things. (laughs) Now I have to remember to dress appropriately to be able to have this on me so I don't have to bang around a microphone. Well, that's behind the scenes. <laughs> but the Lord said there, were, there was a light that was to dawn here, but you know, he has that same light that he wants to dawn all over this world, all over this nation, and he can't do it. If we have to do things exactly how everybody else does them, he can't do it. If we have to wait to be in some sort of position to be able to reach somebody, we have to stop with this. God has never been in a box and we have to stop putting him there. He's not a God in a box. <laughs> you know, you wind him up and hope maybe you get him to pop out at some point? No. God, God wants real light going to the real lost people of this world. And he's going to do it through you and I. All right, Matthew 4, 17, the next verse. says, from that time, Jesus began to preach and say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So what was the light that was dawned? It was the preaching of repentance through Jesus. That was the light that was brought to the people, the light of the gospel. You know, the gospel is not your politics. I know my husband's been saying that. The gospel is not your politics. The gospel is not your opinion. The gospel is the hope of Jesus and the hope of salvation, the good news that he paid the price for you. That's the gospel. It's not your you know, religion. It's not your ritual. It's not your offense. It's not your opinions. It's not who you want in political office. It's not even the laws you want passed. The gospel is what the preaching of the salvation that Jesus paid for. That is the good news. Literally, the translation of gospel is good news. That's the good news. The good news is when you're lost in your junk, Jesus still saved you. The good news is when you aren't good enough, when you don't measure up, Jesus still saved you. That's the good news we need to bring to the world. Some ministries go around and their tactic is to tell everyone all the ways they're sinning and falling short and then to tell them to repent or they're going to hell. I'm not sure that that tactic works, because I'll tell you, it would have never worked for me. I would have never been able to have you come to me and tell me how much of a liar and a failure and a sinner I am, and then say, but Jesus loves you anyway. Well, you don't love me, you just bashed me and treated me like you don't care about me, called me out and tried to admit my sin to you. Who are you to do that? God deals with hearts of people. God does that. We We don't have to do the work in somebody's heart. We bring the gospel to them, The Holy Spirit will move on them. The Holy Spirit will lead them to repentance. We show them love. We show them kindness. We treat them with respect. We show them that we actually genuinely care about them. If getting people to Jesus, you know, John said that up here, we can't save people. Jesus saves people. We can bring them to the truth, but we can't save them. God has to deal with their hearts. We can't think of, like, winning people and the Great Commission as, like, this checklist or this tally. I got tallies on my wall that, oh, I talked to this person about Jesus today, and they prayed the prayer. Did they really genuinely mean it, or were they trying to get you out of their hair? Because that happens, too. And I might have done that when I was an atheist. I might have been like, I'll, get, I'll say whatever you want if you leave me alone. People need to see the real. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. Oh, goodness. I don't know where this is coming from. The preaching of repentance is truly, the pre- truly a preaching of change. Listen to this. It's not of you are a failure, so you need to change, but Jesus paid the price so your life could be changed. You don't go around telling everybody you are, you're an idiot, you're failing, so you better get it right. You can tell that to your brother or sister who's going backwards and they're going back to Egypt and they're starting to live like the devil. You can say, and you should say, and according to scripture, you should be, you should go and encourage them and get them to get back on track. You should, because they know better. But when you're going to a lost and dying world, you pointing out how much they're failures, that's not going to work for them. It's not going to work. And if you can't stand talking to people you don't like, you better get over yourself you're going to have a whole lot of people that you don't like. Most people who aren't Christians, you might not like them. They might not be very nice. They might be real rough around the edges. They might be living in ways that disgust you. You may have to walk into a place or a house and it stinks and it's dirty and you feel itchy and you have to pretend you don't. You got to love them anyway. You got to pretend that doesn't even faze you. Because if you go in with the attitude that I'm already disgusted by you, they'll know it. Are you going to be somebody who God can use to reach people? Well, you better be somebody who's willing to put your own flesh down. Yes, and bring the gospel of repentance that your life can truly be changed through Jesus. Praise Praise the Lord. That word repent literally means to think differently or afterwards reconsider. Isn't that interesting? The goodness of God leads men to repentance. The goodness of God causes men to think differently, to reconsider. You know, my husband, and I know he's going to share a lot of this, but he did have this really interesting conversation with a man that happened to be their neighbor because they're renting somebody's, like, apartment that in Norway, and um, interesting. He had, like, uh, I'll let him tell you about it <laughs> but anyway their neighbor happened to be in a neighborhood and their neighbor he happened to be living very rough and my husband spent some time he walked by this neighbor this neighbor was drawn to him he wanted to talk he wanted to have conversation and my husband got to sit with him for an hour and a half on his porch and share the goodness of God, and share his testimony, and share the gospel. And this man was living very rough, very opposite, very opposite of what we believe. But you know what that man said? He said, I saw you, and there was something different about you. There was kindness in your eyes. I would think you would hate me, he said. And My husband gave him a hug and said, I don't hate you. I don't hate you at all. But see, it was out of his comfort zone. He did have to confront that the way this person was living was not what the Bible says is right and good, but that we love you anyway. It isn't about you being perfect. It's about that Jesus paid the price. He said, so am I gonna go to hell because of this? And he turned it around and he said, you're not gonna go to hell because of that. Hell happens when you don't receive Jesus. Let's start there. Let's start there. Because people can't understand. People can't understand how, oh, your loving God would send me to hell because I do what makes me happy. Right? I mean, that's how people who are lost think. Your loving God would send me to hell because I'm, I'm doing what's, what's important to me, what matters to me, what I, who I love, and, and what I love to do, and this is my life, and so your loving God would send me to hell? No, 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 no. My loving God sent Jesus for you. My loving God sent Jesus for you, and if you call upon Jesus, if you would just get a hold of this gift and get a hold of this truth that Jesus died for you, regardless of the sin and the garbage that you're in, that doesn't matter right now. What matters right now is let me tell you about my Jesus. And that's how we're going to win the lost. We've got to stop Jesus before judgment. I just came up with that. (laughs) No, I believe that was the Lord, Jesus before judgment. You don't judge them and then tell them about Jesus, you let them know they're loved and tell them about Jesus. And then you know what? They can get taught, they can learn, they can see the truth of the word and they'll change. How many of you, and you don't have to raise your hand if you don't want to, but it'll be more powerful if you do. (laughs) How many of you in here know that you were living in a place that wasn't right, but when you got the gospel, you fixed some things in your life? (laughs) Look around, we're all there. We've all done it. There's things that you knew you were doing that you shouldn't be doing. And it wasn't somebody telling you they were, that you were wrong. It was getting the truth spoken to you that convicted your heart that told you that those things needed to be changed. That's what did it. It, didn't, it wasn't somebody standing up there or coming up, knocking on your door and telling you all the things you're failing in. That was not what did it. Love, the goodness of God leads men to repentance. All right, Matthew 4, 18. We're going to keep going here. Now, Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee. He saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Now, when I read scriptures like that, I'm like, okay, well, what happened in between <laughs> that he said they're fishermen and you now you follow me and I'll make you a fisher of men? And then, of course, the next verse says immediately they left their nets and followed him. And I'm going, well, what happened in between? Because there's got to be more to this story. And so um, before we get on to the more to this story, I'm going to just point out here that there's nothing in here that says Jesus you know, said, hey, Andrew, hey, Peter, you guys are living rough and you're going to go to hell. You guys aren't living right. You guys aren't focused on the right things. He lovingly connected to where they were. He connected to something that they could relate to. That's where he reached them. He reached them where they were at, but he did it in a loving way. And we're going to see that because we're going to go to a different gospel and we're going to see that. So you can actually, let's see. Go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 5, and meanwhile, I'll continue on here. Jesus compelled these men where they were at. They could understand that process of seeking fish, reaching for them, and pulling them in. They got that. They understood that. So Jesus used that illustration to get them to understand what Jesus is trying to do. Jesus, this Remember, this is Jesus starting his earthly ministry. This is Jesus as an adult, about 30 years old, who now he's been, he's been baptized by John the Baptist. Remember that account? The, the Holy Spirit descended on him like a dove, right? And all these witnesses saw Jesus get baptized. They knew there, were, there was a stir going on about who this Jesus was. Jesus was led into the wilderness. This is all before this, okay? Right, really right before the time leading up to this. Jesus was led into the wilderness for 40 days, right? He was tempted of the devil. He was fasting. The devil said, make some food for yourself. Call it, call upon this to turn into food, and you'll have food. You don't have to be hungry. Jesus, come on, your flesh wants food. The devil was lying to him. The devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the earth and said, this is all you can have if you'll just drop your cause, if you'll just come with me, if you'll just do what I did, leave that God behind and just do things your way. That was all leading up to this. Jesus made it through all that garbage. So if you're in some garbage right now, guess what you got to get through that garbage before God can can get you to what he's really got for you amen Jesus was led into some into the wilderness tempted and he had to pass the test and so this is when this is all going on so he'd Jesus was 30 years old at this time he was baptized he was led into the wilderness tempted for the 40 days devil tried to get him not to fulfill the plan of God tempted again and again and again and so now this is all happening right after these events So now Jesus, after going through that wilderness and going through that testing, he's equipped now. He knows, oh gosh, there's something coming against me. He was prepared. He knew there was going to be some trial. He had already been through it. He knew he was well equipped with that understanding. He knew that the devil was going to come and try to take him out. Some of you, you know, we get told that. But when it's happening, we can't handle it. we got to handle it. we got to be like, all right, I'm doing it. I'm getting through this because I know I can because I have my Jesus. I have my word. We like to know. We can say really well. We're so good at articulating what Jesus did for us until it's in the moment. <laughs> and then we want to crawl and, and you know, hide and cry. All right, Luke chapter 5, verse 1. Again, this is the first disciples. So it happened that while the crowd was pressing around around him, Jesus, and listening to the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats lying at the edge of the lake. This is the same account in a different gospel. But the fishermen had gotten out of them and were washing their nets, as to say, we're done for the day, right? And he got into one of the boats, which was Simon Peter's, and asked him to put it out a little way from the land. And he sat down, and began teaching the people from the boat. Okay, so this is what's kind of going on. So there's quite a stir about Jesus at this point. He, you know, people know who he is. They're starting to know who he is, and so much so where they're pressing him. They're coming. They're like, "Help me! Help me! Help me! Help me!" I taught um, when I was student teaching many, many moons ago. Um, I was student teaching, and um, I uh, I had like kindergartners. And I remember one day it got so bad with that kind of press, you know. <laughs> they all had paint on their hands and they were just very needy. And then and I just can't I pictured Jesus like that day in that kindergarten room and they're like tapping me on every part of me that they could reach, you know, like hey, 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 hey. And I finally was like, stop. <laughs> I am not your animal. Stop petting me. Get your dirty hands off me and sit down. And I wish I had a boat that I could have gotten into and been like, I'll teach you from here, okay? You got a problem, you raise your hand. <laughs> but I picture that with Jesus, like he's being pressed and he's like, I want to tell you all your help. I want to help every single one of you, and I've got the way to do it, but you're not letting me get there. And so he gets this bow, and Simon Peter complies. Peter complies. He doesn't really, from what I understand in Scripture, know Jesus yet, not necessarily, and perhaps he's known of him. I'm not sure all of those details, but he at least is willing to take that boat away from shore and let him use it to preach from. That's pretty awesome. You know, there'll be favor with people who aren't even saved. You know, the gospel can be, uh, can, you, you would be surprised how many people in the world will help you get the gospel out. That's one thing I read about um, Norway, that people really don't worship god not not by and large like it's a very secular country in fact it's known as the most secular country in the world but um they have beautiful churches like huge church buildings and i said to my husband i perceive that probably the community's support with donations and are probably generous with these churches to keep those buildings beautiful i was like i perceive that you know that man i was talking about him talking to he confirmed that that, that they love the church buildings, but they don't love Jesus. They don't have a relationship with God. They, they do their traditions in the buildings. You know, they're wealthy, it's a very wealthy nation. They support these buildings, but, but there's no relationship with God. So even people in the world can help, you know, hey, maybe someone will come in, in the world and pay off this building, I don't know, praise the Lord. But Simon Peter let Jesus use his boat. So where are we here? Okay. So he sat down and began teaching the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Now he's going to help him. Peter helped Jesus. Jesus is about to help Peter and the other fishermen. And so Simon answered and said, Master, we worked hard all night. Look at how he called him Master. We worked hard all night and caught nothing but I will do as you say and let down the nets." So he recognized Jesus, at least as someone who had authority. He recognized some things on this man. When they had done this, they enclosed a great quantity of fish, and their nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners, James and John, that was their partners, and the other boat for them to come and help them. And they came and filled both of the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw that, he fell down at Jesus' feet, saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. Wow. All right, so there's a few things in here. First of all, he recognized this man's got some sort of authority. There's something different about him. He recognized that. He was willing to help him. And Jesus showed him the goodness of God. Now, we think, Oh, wow, they filled the boats with fish. But for a fisherman, that represents prosperity that represents my needs are being met that represents what I've been working and striving after this man just helped me with this is there's some miracle that just happened it was a big deal is what I'm saying it was a big deal it wasn't just that somebody bought your coffee at Tim Hortons that's beautiful keep doing it if you do it but that's not the kind of testimony this is this is a big deal this was everything to fishermen praise the Lord So we see the multitudes were thronging Jesus. Jesus knows he needs to preach the gospel, needs a little space to do so, and he gets out there and he does it. He uses these boats. He helps the fishermen who let him use the boats. And as a result, we see a miracle take place for the fishermen that their nets were so overflowing that they began to break. I also want to remind you that the prosperity came, that prosperity and that blessing and that miracle came as a result of being in the will and plan of God. God needed that boat to get that message out, to do that preaching. And so when they got in the will and they got in the plan and they hooked up with what God was trying to do, their miracle came their miracle came and now you have to know in your heart what's right but you know some if you're connected to a local church and I'm gonna commend this church this church came through and really really got your hearts connected to that mission I thank you to everybody who who got hooked up with that because we wouldn't have been able to do this we wouldn't have been able to do it if there weren't people who were faithful to hop hop in and let you use the boat so to speak and so I, I commend you for that that's what being part of a local church is all about we do this thing together some of us will have to get in the boat and go offshore and do the teaching But some of us will have to stay on shore do the listening and keep the crowds back So no one's trying to jump on the boat <laughs> No, I mean there's just different jobs and different things to do, but we're all supposed to do it together But the prosperity and the miracle the blessing came while being in the plan of God when we put God first He will take care of us We need to see that this miracle of provision Um, Made the two fishermen know there was something more to this man Jesus And And that what we need to get out of this is that it's miracle signs and wonders that will speak to people They'll make people stop where they're at and say whoa How is this possible? And that'll make people question. And so when they do, when the miracle signs and wonders come, which, by the way, they won't until we're hungry for them, until we're hungry enough to do the work of God without seeing them, right? blessed is he who does when he has, or believes when he hasn't even seen yet. Do you believe God wants to do great things? He didn't, he didn't say all this stuff was going to die away with, and get, he, this is going to be real even still. It's happening now in places. It's happening now all over the world, but you've got to be hungry for it. You've got to be hungry, not, not for the stuff, hungry to see people saved, hungry to see the work of God done. Not hungry for your title, not hungry for your millions, not hungry for your position, not hungry for your own life, but hungry to see the work of God done. That's what we need to be, hungry to see the work of God done. All that stuff for your own life, that will be there. We need to see how Peter responded after both seeing and being the beneficiary of the miracle. He fell down at the feet of Jesus and repented. It's amazing that Jesus at no point in this account singled him out and said, you are screwed up in this, your thinking's wrong here, you're, you know, this is wrong, you're living your life for only you. He didn't have to like, even say to him how much of a failure he was. Peter was like, I know I'm not right. I know you're God, I know this is real, I know I gotta get right. I, you don't even want any part to do with how bad I'm living. Right. Peter recognized that for himself. Yeah. That's pretty amazing. I've had people, family members, who have just said, I am just, I am so lost. And they don't want anything to do with God, but they recognize that they're lost. They think that they're not good enough to be anything to God. That's what they think, that they're too lost. But God said no one's too lost. No one's too lost. No one's too lost. Praise the Lord. Peter surely heard Jesus teaching the multitudes, and he witnessed a true miracle, and that caused him to see in himself which ways he was wrong. The Holy Spirit, listen to this, the Holy Spirit will deal with the hearts of people as we are faithful to follow him to witness to them. We cannot be someone else's Holy Ghost. We cannot be someone else's Holy Ghost. There's only one Holy Ghost. (laughs) My husband's trying to FaceTime me. (laughs) Oh, well, if he tries again, I'll answer, but I hung up on him. (laughs) (laughs) If he's truly watching, he'll try again. I'm into something, honey. <laughs> uh, let's keep going. <laughs> Luke 5 9. <laughs> For amazement had seized him and all his companions because of the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. So now, out of this, this one account, we get four of the apostles, four of Jesus' disciples. And Jesus said to Simon, do not fear. From now on, you will be catching men. So now we see the rest of the story, right? I love that about the Gospels is it tells us bits and pieces in each one, and we can connect them. So we see that when, when they decided to let down their nets and go follow him, he had, they had seen this miracle, they had heard that preaching, they had already fallen down at the feet of Jesus in repentance, and he said, you've qualified. You've qualified to come with me. Your heart just got right in that moment. Surely, Peter was probably still swearing like a fisherman. <laughs> he was still living rough, I'm sure, because he didn't get it all figured out overnight because I've never seen anybody do that. But he qualified to go with Jesus because he saw that he needed a change and he truly hooked onto that change. Not the change because you're you know, failing, but the change because Jesus actually loves me enough to bring that change to me. Praise the Lord. From now on, you'll be catching men. So Simon Peter and the other fishermen could be used of God even though they weren't perfect. God wants to meet people where they're at. And he will use you to meet people where they're at and where you're at. Where you're at will reach people. If you've been through something, it will matter to people who are also going through that or have been through that. It will speak to them. It's amazing, but you will reach people where you're at, and that's exactly what God wanted to do. This is an account of bringing along the very first disciples. The four fishermen were now about to switch gears and become fishers of men, and that was God's intent all along and still is. Every time you come to church, God is reaching out to you to get you to set aside your old stuff and become fishers of men every single time he's trying to get equipment over to you stir you up enough to know that I don't want this just for myself I don't want to serve God just so I can say I'm a Christian so I can have some nice house somewhere and I mean I have a nice house thank God for a nice house but I've lived without a nice house I could do it again yeah. you know I don't care that stuff is not the, the thing the thing is people The reason we do this, the reason I'm here right now, the reason I, you know, I work so my husband can full-time be a pastor is because we care about people, care about people. Somewhere along the way, Christianity became a social club, a secretive religious set of rituals, a political game, just another chore, just another potluck, just about making you feel comfortable. That's not Christianity. That's not it. You have the ability, you, everybody say, I have the ability to reach different people than my pastor can, than the person sitting next to me can, than the old me could. (laughs) There's a whole lot of stuff that you know now that you didn't know before, and a whole lot of places you've been, and a whole lot of life experience you've had that can help somebody else, every single one of us. Your history, your job, your personality, your hobbies, where you live, your education or your lack of education. These things speak to people. It's amazing, but they do. How many children you have, whether or not you're married, whether or not you were married and have been divorced, these things speak to people. They help people. It's not that you, you know, somehow are now damaged goods. Someone else thinks they're damaged goods. And they need you to know you're not damaged goods enough to go to them and tell them they're not damaged goods. See, people need you to care enough about them and to stop thinking about you all the time. Ouch, I know it's hard to hear that. We all do it. We all think of self first. You get a photograph. I know a minister said this before. You get a photograph with a group of people. And who is the first one you look for? yourself. Now we got this technology so we're zooming in like, ew, who picked that picture? Doesn't make my, me look good. <laughs> we all do it. We all think that way. We've got to put self aside and we've got to start thinking about others. People, You'll be able to reach people based on if you're single, based on if you're a young married couple, based on if you are, are working this job or that job. Literally these different assets and aspects of your life, I'll say the aspects of your life can become assets to winning the lost. The things that you are living in, everybody, we gotta work or we don't eat, right? Right. We gotta work or we don't eat, so a lot of our days are spent working. Guess what, that's your number one field. That's your number one missions field. Do you get what I'm saying? Where you're at will relate to people. So often we despise our lot in life. We always think the grass is greener on the other side, and we fail to see that God wants to use us where we are. (laughs) The grass is not greener on the other side. The grass is green when you're in the plan of God. We saw that last week, right? Those shepherds, the good shepherd, he'll lead you to the grass even in a dry land. He'll lead you to the provision and the blessing even in the dry land. The grass is greener where God is. That's what we have to remember. It's not greener on the other side. Our job is to reach people. Jesus is coming back for a glorious church. Why don't you pull up 2 Peter 3, 9. He is not willing that any should perish. The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. That is what Jesus is waiting for. He's got to get us in gear so we can get people saved. We've got to be willing to pay the price. My husband said he has a greater respect for Reverend Rich Walker than he ever has. This work is not for the faint of heart. You could go and you could have 100 people say no when you want to talk to them. You could have 100 people refuse to let you pray for them. You could, you could go to a town and not one person will speak to you but his heart is connected to what God wants to do, and that is to bring the gospel to the ends of the earth to make disciples out of every nation. And so even if it's hard, even if it doesn't feel good, even if you don't feel very popular, <laughs> paying the price is worth it. We talked last week about how God would leave the 99 to go fix or help the one. We've got to be willing. Praise the Lord. Um, 1 Corinthians 9... Oh, gosh, I'm running out of time, and I have so much left. See, that's why I can't FaceTime my husband. <laughs> I'm just going to blame it on he's six hours different, so he doesn't know I'm at church right now. 1 <laughs> Corinthians nine twenty, and we're going to read through 23. To the Jews I became as a Jew so that I might win Jews. To those who are under the law as under the law, though not being myself under the law so that I might win those who are under the law. To those who are without law, as without law, though not being without the law of God, but under the law of Christ, so that I might win those who are without law. To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. To have I have become all things to all men, so that I may be by all means save some. I do all things for the sake of the gospel, so that i may become a fellow partaker of it i do i become as i need to be to reach the people god's called me to reach now that does not mean you go to the party and you get drunk with the people who you're trying to win. That's not, you better not twist that right now. You stay pure, you stay right before God, and he will use you to reach people. But you know that stuff I was talking to you about earlier, that you can't be grossed out by people right when you meet them? Yeah. Guess what? I, we, I'll we i hug a homeless man if they need a hug. I will do it. I will do it, and I'll trust God that everything will be okay afterwards, that I won't be coming home with something. You know, I, I'll trust that. We had a man, we shared a testimony. We were in Cleveland recently, and, and there was this man, and he just wanted to spend time with us. And Most people just walked by him, and we spent a little, quite a little while with him. We took a walk with him. We talked with him. We prayed with him. We hugged him. I held his hand while I prayed, and he was a homeless man. And he didn't look like somebody I would probably spend much time with in you know, regular life. But the Lord had us to bring the love of Jesus to him, and so you've got to be willing. And that's one example, and I, I need to do more for God. I, I do, I know I need to do more for God. But um, I'm just sharing that as an example. To the weak, I became weak. I was considering this in my heart. If you've never, if you never experience weakness, or if you've never experienced weakness, you can't speak to someone living in weakness and empathize with their sufferings. You, have you ever um, tried to have somebody tell you something like, this is a big one, how to raise your kids, and they've never had kids, and you're like, uh, yeah, we'll talk to me later. Yeah. Catch me outside, how about that? <laughs> <laughs> hey, you've got to lighten it up. <laughs> I knew I'd wake a few of you up with that one. You can't tell somebody how to do something that you've never done. You can, like, tell somebody get over it, but if you've never lived in it, you can't empathize with the pain that they're bearing and the weight of it all. You can't. If you've never been there, you can't. But someone's been there because we know in the word that there's no trial, there's no tribulation, there's no test. That's new. Someone else has dealt with it. And so we have to be, we have to get beyond this like culture of like we are strong and we can't admit our weaknesses and we can't ever fall short. We've got to, we've got to be perfect all the time. We've got to get beyond that. We've got to be like, you know what? My weaknesses are for the good. They've, they've worked things into me and hopefully I can someday meet somebody who they'll work things out for and I'll be able to testify to. To the weak, I became weak. If you've, ever gone without, if you've never gone without food on the table, you can't understand that burden. If you've never had a major sickness in your household, you can't understand that burden. If you've never been through a divorce, you can't understand that burden. You can't. If You've never had a wayward child, you can't understand that burden. If you've never dealt with sexual sin, you can't understand that burden. There are a million things that people go through because the devil is, uh, he's evil. He wants to do stuff to people. He wants to ruin your life and he wants to keep you out of heaven. And so he'll throw a whole lot of things at you and the whole time you feel alone. You feel like I'm the loser that can't get beyond this. But God has so many people out there who he's brought through the same thing that you're going through. He's brought through and then someday when you're through it, you can bring somebody else through it. That's God's plan. That's how you become fishers of men. Yes, there will be ministers of the word, pastors and teachers that will study and feed the sheep. The, the, the word says that you need that. You need to be fed with knowledge and understanding. And that is the role of a minister is to feed you, to feed the sheep with knowledge and understanding. Led by the Holy Spirit, a true shepherd will be led by God to get over to you the things that you need to equip you. But your life is about reaching people. Your life isn't necessarily about being the feeder to people, but it is about bringing the light of the gospel to people. The light that needs to dawn, it is your job to bring it. you be the firefly if you have to start out that way, but you better become a lantern. (laughs) Once you're a lantern, let's start a big bonfire, and let's get people to come and see the truth of the... The, Jess likes bonfires, she's like, yeah, that's right, I'll be the bonfire, and you would be the bonfire. Because people with that kind of spunk and that kind of personality, they will bring people in. Because you know what, you, how many of you have felt like, just meeting Jess, she loves me? Right? I know that. Like, she, I know that, you feel that, and people need to know that. And so there's different giftings on the inside of you, there's things you've been through, you want to be able to talk about them. And we've got to get to the place where we're not just talking Christianese to people. (laughs) Oh my gosh, if you just start spouting off all this scripture to people that are not saved, that don't know the Lord, they're going to think you're nuts. If you just keep talking about the flood of Noah and like the sins of the world being flooded, people do not, that does not connect with people. You've got to be real, Real is a really important word. You've got to be real with people. You have to be yourself. You can't be anybody else. I have seen that before. You can only be yourself because everybody else is taken. <laughs> so you better work with what you've got. Yes, amen. Oh, i got to skip down. I have too much stuff here. Oh, yeah. I consider my own story, okay? So I was pondering that. What did it take to win me? I was an atheist. I wanted nothing to do with God. I wasn't going to go to church. I wasn't going to be a Christian. I had no intention of ever being a Christian, and I was perfectly happy. And that's what I'm seeing with the people in these nations over there. Most of them are perfectly happy with life without, they don't think they need that. And that was where I was. I didn't think I needed it. I had an education, I had a good future planned, I, I, was, I was smart, you know, I, you know, pretty smart, and uh, I, could, I could figure out life, I never had it in my life, and never needed it, I'm good without it, that was me. So what did it take to reach me when I didn't need Jesus? When I was, I really, I wasn't the person who was like suffering and going, somebody help me. I was like, life is fine, I'm good, you know? That, and, and that's sometimes, a lot of times, even harder to reach people who think they've, they're fine. And that's where I was. And so how did I come to the Lord? Well, my husband, you know, we weren't married, we were dating, and he just he started sharing that he knew that serving God was important. And I thought, you're weird. Like, I never signed on to that. Like, I never was gonna, be a Christian like what? I didn't even know you were. Are you kidding? He wooed me with his tattoos and his ripped jeans and his <laughs> muscle shirt, smoking his cigarette with his ears pierced. I mean that's how I met him and that's what I liked. <laughs> I was like, I was like, that guy is hot But <laughs> now I'm like, you better fix your hair and you should probably wear a button up) <laughs> but what won me was that he was a real person. Yeah. He loved me, and I knew it, and he loved the Lord somehow, but wasn't really living for him, but he loved the Lord enough to to express it, and when he expressed that to me, I knew it was so true to him, and that made me say, you know what? I love him so much that I'm going to just, I'm going to humor him. I I really felt like it was more like I was just going to kind of comply and just, I'll just give that to him. I'll just be a blessing to him. I'll just be good to him because thankfully I was raised where I I had, my parents had a good marriage and and, um, my mom was very loving to my dad. Like I saw that. And so I was like, you know, I'll be loving to him and I'll go with him. I didn't think I'd fall in, (laughs) (laughs) but you know what made me stay? The people who were real. And there was enough people who were real with me that made me feel like this is a real thing. And you know what else? Pastor Tim was there and he wasn't the pastor at the time, but Pastor Tim was a teacher like me. He was educated like me. He thought kind of similar to the way I thought when he got to share the when he would get to get in the pulpit and preach. He talked from that teaching perspective which resonated with me and he reached me because of the things that were in common. It's kind of amazing, so the heart of my husband and the relationship with him brought me in, but once I was there, I was connecting with the things that were in common. And see, that's what people do. You go to a place, and you know nobody, and what's the first thing you do? You look for who might be the least scary person that you could sit down at the table with. Yeah, right? That's what you do. And then you hope that you can find something to relate to them about. This is what we do in real life. Yeah. Yeah. Like when we have to go somewhere, when we have to be alone somewhere, maybe a work conference or, you know, you have to go, you know, whatever. There's, one, there's like two seats in a waiting room and they're both next to somebody. You're like, which one do I feel more comfortable sitting next to? Yeah. That is how we think. Yeah. If you say you don't, you, you're lying. You do. That is how we think. We all try to connect somehow to somebody who might be similar to us. That is how we live our lives. It is. And it's because that's, that's a comfort for humans. It's a comfort for our minds. And so we have to tap into that. That's all I'm saying. We have to start, like, recognizing that, that people will connect based on what we have in common. And so there's so much division out there. I've been seeing that. Like everywhere there's division. What we disagree on. Everything's about disagreeing. Can we find what we are the same on? Right. Because that's what's going to talk to somebody. Oh, you're, you're my students. Some of my students, we were talking on the last day, and we had a lot of things left over. And one of my students started talking about her summer. I said, what are you doing? And she started talking about going to a Christian camp. And I was like, oh, I was like, oh, yeah, I've heard of that. What church do you go to? And I just, I had that moment to have a conversation with her and then let her know, you know, like, we're, I'm a Christian too, you know, and she was, you could, you, the light that lit up in her eyes, like, there's more of us around here. You know, it was just a student in passing, just, a, just talking. But the similarity, the something that could connect, it matters to people. But you won't know it if you don't talk to people. And most of the time, we're not going to reach the people we already know. They already know the stuff about us. We're not going to reach the people. I'm talking, yeah, our colleagues, you know them. I'm not talking that. I'm talking a lot of stuff, like my siblings. I'm, I'm well aware of the fact that they may never listen to me. You know? But they will to somebody. They will listen to somebody, and they will come to the Lord. But it probably won't be through me. And I'm well aware of that, and I'm all right with that. Because I'll bring somebody else's siblings. I'll bring them along and I'm okay with that and we have to stop thinking like who can I get that I care about care about everybody (laughs) go get the people that you don't know because they're somebody else's somebody well praise the Lord oh I have to keep going and where am I gonna go here oh gosh I don't even know how about this we'll go to first Peter uh, no, we can't. We have to go here. Go to 2 Timothy. <laughs> oh, I know I'm running out of time. I have like 40 more scriptures. That's the teacher in me, and I won't make you sit here, but I'll tell you, it's just good stuff. I hope there's been a lot of unction today, just a lot of... A lot that the Lord is bringing out here. I think it's time for us to step into this flow, you know? This is a year of transformation, but it can't just be transformation for you living your best life. (laughs) It's got to be transformation for the kingdom of God. What are we going to do to transform this region? Praise the Lord and this world. 2 Timothy 2, 3 through 4, it says, suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier in active service entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life so that he may please the one who enlisted him as a soldier. So this is the message you've got to get out of this. A good soldier concentrates on carrying out orders. That's what a good soldier does. Good soldier is like, what what am I going to make for dinner? (laughs) Figure out your dinner, especially if you're cooking for other people. But a good soldier is not like, how am I going to get clothes? How am I going to figure out dinner. What am I going to do about this? What am I going to do about that? A soldier's like, I have an order. I know that the government's providing for me, you know, while I'm marching this order out. And so I don't have to think about the affairs of everyday life. Well, we are soldiers for the Lord. We are the army of the Lord. And he told us that we don't have to think about our life, that we don't have to entangle ourselves in the affairs of this life, that we can do the mission that he's called us to and all will be provided for us so we don't have to worry about it. And so I encourage you here today, and I know I can't keep going, but I encourage you here, be a soldier for the Lord. Put away your own stuff, and start working and walking and marching for him. He's given us marching orders here. We are called to win the lost. And I did say I was gonna tie this all together, because we saw the beginning of Jesus's earthly ministry when he's, he's being tested, he's baptized, he goes into the wilderness, he starts picking up disciples, and then the end of this, at the end of his earthly ministry, the end of the Gospels, is the Great Commission. That's how he ends it. That's, how, that's what he leaves them with. So he does it. He pays the price himself. He goes through the test. He gets through the wilderness. He starts picking up fishers of men. And then he leaves them with their marching orders before he goes on and finishes the call. And so let's just pull up the Great Commission again, our beginning scriptures. Praise the Lord. Let's just remind ourselves of this. Do you have it there, or you have to look it up? Matthew 28, 16. And actually, you can keep going to verse 19. "'Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit,' go to verse 20, "'teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age.'" the authority that Jesus left us with is good today. It's still good today. The, the marching orders still the same. He wants to win the lost, and he's going to use us to do it. So are you willing? Will you be willing? Will you be obedient? You'll eat the good of the land. He promised it. If we're willing and obedient, if we do things his way, we will be taken care of. So let's put aside the affairs of life, and let's run with him. Amen?